She would argue both that Amy needed to make everything up to God in a real hurry, and also that to confess to humans would only undermine her future. When Amy's future was mentioned, the word always signified Harvard College. Her father now said, There's one thing for sure, Amy. No coming to the beach except in daylight, with plenty of people around, including either me or your mother or both. Is that understood? This wasn't asking much out of the ordinary. Amy had never been allowed on the beach alone in her life and was not permitted to fraternize with anyone. Do you think I'm crazy? Amy asked petulantly. In fact, Amy thought it was possible she might be crazy. Gradually, over the summer, she had begun to behave in ways that upset her, as though she had no control over her own actions. For weeks, Amy had begun to feel the urgent impulse to hide in the dune grasses and watch what went on at the beach after nightfall. She had been doing this for some time, gaining courage. There was an asphalt road between her family's house and the dunes. In the daytime, she had to skip across the asphalt so as not to burn the soles of her feet. Then she squeaked through a broken gate, lay flat on her belly to crawl to the dunes, and scrabbled up to the summit of her favorite highest dune, to await whatever came by. Soon she had begun to bring along her father's binoculars, because things did sometimes stir on the beach after the sun went down. The first time she had elbowed and kneed up this dune for the direct purpose of spying, she had seen nothing but gulls and one tossed pleasure boat and some children's forgotten beach toys. That was one month ago, at the beginning of the expectation, which was the period when she really had to buckle down and study even during summer, even when everyone else was on holiday. The second time, under a brilliant moon, she had seen a pair of young people her age running toward and back from the shallow waves. They held hands and laughed. This made Amy crazy with desire. She knew the boy was named Jonathan, and Amy was so in love with him from afar that she carried his photo in the back pocket of her light blue shorts a picture she had bagged from the almost always forbidden internet last year. She had never spoken to him. She had never spoken of him. He was the love of her life and no one knew. He had, like Amy, applied only to Harvard. Her dream was to meet him there, just over a year from now, when their love affair could begin. The girl Jonathan ran around with after dark was Becky Hamilton, the dead girl. The third and fourth and fifth times, always after her mother had gone out or gone to bed and her father had retreated to the basement to drink his excellent scotch and read his beloved Voltaire, Amy saw Jonathan and Becky. Even lacking a bright moon, the ambient light from nearby houses was sufficient to make out their movements and gestures. She wanted the teenagers to do something more than hold hands. This was Amy's profound wish. She thought about the couple constantly during the day. On the chosen nights, Amy waited long after dinner, studying until all was quiet in the house. At this point, she would steal her nerve and go out to climb that particular high dune, and she watched in a pale yellow glow with binoculars through saw grass. The sixth time Amy watched, the teenagers were there as usual, Jonathan and Becky Hamilton. Amy had spoken to Becky only a few times, always in the company of parents. Becky was new to this beach. She was pretty and smiley and completely off-limits as a friend, as far as Amy's mother was concerned. She had a wanton look, apparently. 
All girls, according to Vivian, had wanton looks. Jonathan and Becky ran through the star and moonlit ripples. They held hands again. They swung each other around and danced beneath a quarter moon. Then, at last, they kissed. They kissed and fell back into the wet sand. The girl wore a man's shirt and a man's shorts. The boy wore only white shorts, going bare-chested, as if for Amy's benefit. He was driving Amy crazy. He and Becky kissed as if saving each other's lives. And then, to Amy's disappointment, they separated, running in opposite directions to their respective houses. Amy crept back into her house and checked the kitchen clock. It was exactly 10.30. Amy's mother, Vivian, never mentioned that Amy seemed to have shaved her body from neck to toe. Her father would have never noticed such a thing. Amy considered this the most interesting and crazy and rebellious.